Welcome to TechBytes.nz, tech and leadership talks with two hands. I'm Craig Young, CEO, and this week we're talking with Adam Beck. Adam's the Executive Director of Smart Cities Council Australia New Zealand. We're talking to him about smart cities. I hope you enjoy this session. Well, um, kia ora and um, welcome everybody to this week's Tech Bites. Um, this one's coming to you on the, uh, for October. Really uh, keen and excited to talk to Adam Beck, a good friend of ours from over the ditch, um, living in Brisbane and currently not in lockdown because Queensland's done pretty well, really, haven't you, Adam? We have. I often say, Craig, that we're dodging bullets every day here in Queensland. We're very lucky. We've had a few of those, but at the moment we're... Um, you're still in level three in Auckland anyway. So Adam is the executive director of the Smart Cities Council of Australia New Zealand. I've been very fortunate to be part of a couple of your uh, conferences that you've held in Sydney over the last couple of years and been participating in those. And smart cities are certainly a topic that we have been quite interested in um, and really want to make some, tra um, some traction in that. So look, um, Tech Bytes, bit of a conversation. Um, we've got some questions we want to walk through. So Adam, why don't we just start um, with you introducing yourself a little bit, a bit about your background and what got you into this current role where you are now? Yeah, great question. I, uh, I'm a cities guy. Um, and after 16 years in the private sector with major consulting firms, uh, Arab and GHD, and then I had another eight years or so in non-profit land with the Green Building Council of Australia, uh, with another non-profit startup think tank in, in Portland, Oregon in the US. So pretty much there summarizing my career as an urban planner in development, infrastructure, cities. Um, I, um, I kind of came back to Australia after living in the US for three years back in 2015. 15, 16, and said, what, do I, what am I going to do next? And I've always had a very strong passion and alignment with sustainability. And I kind of was somewhat uh, depressed at the state of the climate crisis, still am in many instances. And I was inspired by a friend that I met over in, uh, in, in Portland, who's a very deep green sort of ecologist economist uh who was convincing me that that data is going to be the the superpower for helping solve the climate crisis and i thought he was mad um but i spent a little bit of time thinking about it whilst i was between jobs and that's when i stumbled across the smart cities council um they had no intention at all of expanding into the region they were already in india europe and the us and they were big markets themselves, but um, I, I was I was sort of at a point in my career um, that we needed to throw something new at cities to make them more sustainable. Yeah. And um, I hadn't played in tech and data, and so I view my current role as executive director of the Smart Cities Council for Australia and New Zealand. I just view that as really an extension to my career in cities. Uh, so I'm a cities guy and smart cities is a city's agenda. So there we have it. Cool. Okay. Well, look, just, let's tease that out a little bit about this, this concept of a smart city. I mean, it's been popping up all over the place it's in conferences and discussions, just sort of bubbles along. I mean, when you use the term smart city, what, what do you mean by that? 
Yeah. And, and look, I'll be honest, you know, I wasn't a tech or data guy when I entered this. I was a sustainability guy. I'm an urban planner and social planner by trade. So way, way down the opposite end, I'm in the analog world, right? I have lived and breathed that forever. So I sort of entered this smart cities agenda and movement kind of not really thinking or focused around the tech and data piece. It was just always about cities being better. Mm. And you sort of see things here and there. Yeah, tech and data can kind of help out, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I'm a bit of a methodical kind of guy and I like definitions. I'm a strong believer in standards and, you know, that we rally around common definitions for common good. So I, I did eventually sort of spend a lot of personal time, you know, over the last couple of years, um, really trying to boil it down, even though we'd, we'd sort of, you know, done that for many years at the Smart Cities Council. But I'm, I'm of the firm belief now, and particularly given we've got so many councils across Australia and New Zealand now doing this and have done it and have achieved great outcomes, but have also failed. So if I'm to look at the evidence in court now, it's about using tech and data for good. And yeah. I kind of try and keep it pretty simple. And we do it at the Smart Cities Council. Um, formally, our definition as documented in 2013 in our sort of the first thing we ever did as an organization was write a book about this. Um, the Smart Cities Readiness Guide says that a smart city is one that uses information and communication technology to advance sustainability, workability, and livability. So that's our definition of a smart city. Um, I like to, and people go, oh, it can't be that simple, right? It's all very <laughs> risky and costly and expensive, you know? And so I sort of, I break down that into a shorthand of smart cities about tech and data for good. Um, but for the, the technical minded that sort of going tech and data for good, I mean, you just, you know, that's just cliche and you're not yeah. getting serious for a moment. This is a multi-trillion dollar global industry. You can't just be, you know, throwing around tech and data for good. We do know that a core function, a core function of the smart city is to collect, communicate and crunch data. And when you pull apart that little framework that we've been using for almost a decade now, sensors, devices to gather information, transmit that information across a network to a place where it can be stored. So we can then pick it up and crunch it and analyze it. You know, you then start to break down and see that sort of the component parts, you know, the, the, the technology and data component parts. So yep. collect, communicate and crunch <clears throat> is a core function of the smart city. What is smart cities? It's using tech and data for good. Mm. Cool. I'm going to throw you a curly one then, just about data. Um, so, I mean, we both live in um, countries which have um, bicultural, multicultural um, uh, understandings. I mean, New Zealand definitely, you know, with biculturals and the partnership with Māori. Um, data and data ownership is a pretty hot topic across cultures. I mean, we're two white, older white guys talking about mm. this. Mm. What's the Smart Cities Council's sort of approach to data ownership? I'd probably say, Craig, in all honesty, is um, we haven't gone there yet, right? Yeah. Um, we, as you know, you know, we've been in the region here for five years, but I, I tried to do New Zealand from Brisbane for three years unsuccessfully. Uh, I enjoyed every trip I went over there. I love, I love the place. 
Um, but it hasn't been until sort of, you know, early last year when we sort of brought on Janet McBool as our New Zealand director that we've really been able to, uh, I suppose, give New Zealand the attention it needs and help in, in the ways that we could um, with, with any sort of level of confidence. So the last sort of 12, 18 months has probably been our most active time in New Zealand and very much getting exposed to these kind of issues, which I would say are certainly more top of mind in New Zealand than they are in Australia. Um, and that's another story uh, in, in terms of our relationship here in Australia with our First Nations people. Um, it, it, it sounds to me like it's, it's going to be, become just foundational once we sort of work this out. And I suppose just talking from the Australian perspective for a moment, not a lot of conversations going on around First Nations people and smart cities or data or data sovereignty or ownership. I know it's out there. I've been on the edges of some conversations. I've certainly had some of our stakeholders and members who work with First Nations people sort of raise it here and there. So in Australia, I think I'm, I'm confident in saying we haven't had the conversation yet or we haven't been part of it, to be honest. Yeah. In New Zealand, um, it's certainly pretty much top of mind from the outset of the marketplace generally. And we need to work out how we're going to support that and mm. uh, contribute and add value to, to that discussion and dialogue. Yeah. So uh, I would say still very early days for us as an organization in the region around data sovereignty, ownership, mm. First Nations, Maori people. Cool. Hey, look, we were talking just before we started about lockdowns and the different scenarios that places are in. Um, and these lockdowns around the world have, you know, they've led to significant change in the way cities operate. So do you think this is going to have a long-term impact and change the way we think about smart cities? I hope so. It was a really interesting year last year. Um, 2021's kind of gotten a little bit more normal in terms of whatever that means. But last year was... You know, we, 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 we put tools down for three months. Our CEO said, right, stop everything you're doing, tools down for three months and just listen, see what's yeah. going on, hear, hear what cities are saying, you know, see what, what, what is impacting council. So we, we, we learned a lot last year as an organisation where some key pain points of councils are right. uh, and, and government more broadly. Um, we saw... In, in, in the time of most need, total floundering, right? Um, councils that were able to scrape together a couple of million, 10 million for stimulus and funding and to try and get small businesses flowing again and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we, we, we saw decisions being made on the fly with zero insight or data. You know, much of it was gut feel. And I think... At, at times that was probably appropriate right but i think what that's done is and even those cities that were were well versed have good data assets at their kind of at their fingertips even then there's just no time to even look at that and inform yeah. our decisions so i think last year taught us a lot it sh it shone a light on things like digital divide uh, digital equity data literacy and lack of it, it taught us that there's just some fundamental data sets, economic data sets, that if you didn't have them, if your council didn't have access to them immediately, you're just at a disadvantage. And spend data is one of those. In Australia, 
you know, if you're not spending six figures on getting MasterCard or, or, or other Visa data, you're kind of like flying blind in terms yeah. of where where in your community spatially, you know, economic activity is, is is sort of flowing or not. So, so I think on the back of some of those key uh, data gaps, um, it it I think it it has positioned us with a greater appreciation for data, um, but also data sharing, particularly at, a, at high levels of government. Yeah. If, if you weren't if you weren't equipped um, to share data, um, you, you kind of really struggled. So longer term, answer the question, um, I'm hoping that we're going to learn from that. And we've started to see, like you can jump into budget papers of councils, you can start to see private sector data sets that they're starting to buy that they didn't before or invest or subscribe. So we're, we're seeing some green shoots there in terms of that mm. coming to fruition. Hey, yeah, just you mentioned just uh, uh, doing that, but around um, you know highlighted di digital equity issues, and so so how important is um, technology and connectivity to um, developing a smart city? I mean, the bigger. I mean, I know we've had conversations and been in in, in panels around the use of five G. Mean, it's just a technology after all, but it does then bring you know connectivity is obviously quite key. Oh, I mean, it, it's, um, you know, the core function of the smart city is to collect, communicate and crunch. And any one of those three pieces of the puzzle, if they weren't there, it kind of all falls over. I mean, you can gather as much data as you want. You can sense, you can deploy IoT, thousands of sensors. You can go for it. But if you can't then get that intelligence, you know, across a network and the right one, uh, to a place where you can pick it up at your fingertips and sort of gain some insights, you know, the whole system kind of breaks down. Yeah, so connectivity and telecommunications sits there right in the middle. And as you say, it doesn't matter. 5G is just another technology, you know, you know, Wi-Fi, there's, you know, cellular, there's mesh, you know, there's all, you know, as we know, there's all different types of networks. Um, but you don't have that it kind of falls over right uh, we're back yeah. to our analog days and you know connectivity is that backbone of the digital economy um yeah. and i'd almost say that cloud and storage edge is sort of becoming particularly with privacy you know i think edge is um and 5g you know edge and cloud and storage is is, is being pulled out from the back closet of being those that just the nerds talk about to sort of, it's really got to come further up front and be front of mind. So um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, nations, councils, communities will be negligent yeah. not to have the best possible connectivity yeah. to allow their stakeholders to participate in the global digital economy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't get into conversations about the difference between the two countries particularly on the mbn versus the ufb project we and the rollout of fiber but hey yeah i've got a gig at home so i'm doing all right yeah um so we've talked about technology data but your background is sustainability and so i do want to you know and and quite a bit of our audience will be you know um gen gen z and and, and millennials and they'll be thinking about the topics that are really important to them like sustainability and climate change so where does that concept fit 
within smart cities? Or is it all about it? Well, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I suppose if I look at it and I'll be honest, this, and, and I'll, well, I'll, I'll talk from the Smart Cities Council perspective as the organization, you know, in 2013, well, in 2012, when we published our very first website, and our website only had two things on it. It was a very lonely old dry desert looking website that had two things, a button that said become a member and a button that said download the readiness guide. That's all we had. We'd done nothing else. We had no stuff, nothing. But the one thing it did say there was the smart city is one that uses information communication technology to advance the sustainability, workability and livability, right? Of our cities and communities and towns. So for us, it's kind of all been about sustainability from day one. And that is by luck that our founder and CEO, Jesse Burst at the time, was just like a green renewables junkie, right? He was an editor, he was a tech guy, but he was a renewables junkie. You know, Smart Grid was sort of the first, they were the first editorial pieces we ever published, you know, a decade ago. So we, we kind of, a, you know, we're sort of, sort of closet greenies at the Smart Cities Council. And that's just, that's how we just created it. Um, so so for us, absolutely, that, that's what it's about. And that's what it's always been about. Um, and I was only telling someone the other day, you know, you go back to the Rio de Janeiro Command and Control Center, you know, IBM's first poster child Smart Cities project, 2010. And, you know, you see those images of guys in white lab coats sitting at desks with monitors all on the screen. And it's sort of this big brother utopia, you know, Orwell kind of <laughs> image. Yeah. But when you scratch the surface and you look at what's behind it, it was all about it was all about well-being and safety and quality of life in the favelas of Rio. So it's kind of always been about purpose. You know, when I go back and I trace back to some of those places, you know, we do the the post-mortem interview with Songdo in South Korea, the Cisco project, right? That everyone thinks failed. You know, when, when you go back and you do the postmortems, you kind of find that the intent was always kind of a good one. Yeah, yeah. sure. As big tech companies wanted to sell gear, but they kind of knew that there was a purpose there, right? And, you know, because you don't create stuff that's of no value, no one will buy it. And these are smart organizations. So it was always about a health outcome. It was always about, you know, a better community outcome. I think the focus, the baggage we've got and the legacy we've had is that it was all about the tech and mm. kind of the, the well-being and the sustainability elements to that got lost. But I think, I'm hoping, um, we're kind of coming full circle again. And I think last year, you know, we've got, you know, the, the COP meeting coming up. Net Zero, my God, Net Zero is now on newspapers in Australia, right? So, and there's a, there's a forced conversation happening. So... And even our government here in Australia, the current climate strategy they're saying is a technology one. So I'm hoping that we can continue, continue to tighten the relationship between tech and data being a, a, a supercharger for yeah. sustainability outcomes. Yeah, well, you've got some big challenges in Australia. I'm just, I mean, I can't, I mean, we have big challenges in New Zealand as well, um, but things, and, and we've got shared things like coal and all those sort of things and trying to move away from some of those um, 
unsustainable things that, that are going to impact climate change. Just um, why did you pick cities? I hadn't thought of this question, but why did you pick cities as a as something to work on? Well, I think at the time, you know, going back to 2012, at the time, you know, this was the era of IBM and Cisco going head to head globally. Um, Cisco was smarter communities. Mm. IBM was smarter planets, smarter cities. Um, the idea of smart cities was, you know, was kind of around. And we started in the US and that's, it was a very US focused lens at the time. And it, you know, you then sort of caught wind of the 100 Smart Cities program starting to evolve in India and Obama at the time in, you know, 2015 was working on a Smart Cities yeah. program. So, um, and in the US, right, which is very different to here in New Zealand, in the US, the city is where the power is. The right. city is where all the assets are, right? You got to remember the city in many, you know, nine and a half thousand cities and towns in the US most cities municipalities run the school system the health system the police oh, yeah. department yeah. most cities own the airport right the the utility system so so cities was where it was at and is that in the us you know like the federal government really do nothing but sort of dole out money right and and mm -hmm. states and and regional level governments kind of float here and there and do some sort of regional wide mobility and transportation but the municipality it, it, pardon the French, but that's where the shit is done and that's where yeah. the assets are. And that's where yeah. I suppose the greatest value can be created. Yeah. Yeah. But when we talk about smart cities, particularly across Australia, New Zealand, we're talking the council level. It's just a, because in both of us, both countries have significant non, you might call them non-city councils. They're rural, they're regional, yeah. but we're covering all of those, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. I mean, 535 local authorities here, you've got 96, 97, 98 there. Um, when you look at both of our land masses, the majority is kind of empty, forested, ag kind of land, but still most of the population in the urban urban kind of yeah, areas. You know, we've, we've always described the smart cities agenda as one that is scale neutral and geography neutral, right? And I've just gotten off a podcast an hour ago and we were talking about small cities uh and i was talking about the case study of the city of seat pleasant in in um oh, yeah. in the u.s um you know mayor eugene grant who's the mayor of a city that has a population of 4,700, uh, doesn't stop them doing smart cities and being a data leader so and early days we were trying to convince people that it's more than just an urban agenda and back in the day it was hard to do but you know we've got great rural you know with iot and the you know the creative use of iot to just gather really important insights about what some you know would think a sort of boring issues but yeah fundamentally changing practices you know in in rural and regional areas so we're, we're, we're pretty i think we're happy now that it's it's both a regional and and an urban agenda yeah look if you were looking across Aotearoa and Australia where which some are, where are some of the cities that are leading or at forefront and doing some really cool stuff um I'll preface my response by saying there's a ton of cool stuff happening out there that we've got no idea is happening uh and we know it's happening um but they're councils that just 
don't talk about it much or publish stuff. So you immediately go to those that are very, you know, very much we know about Wellingtons, Christchurches, uh, Hamiltons, right? You know, they've, they've been around the block a number of times. Um, they've got a strategy, they've got staff, they've got proof of concepts that are either scaled again and again and again, or they're tinkering around. Um, you know, we also like to hang out with those that want to do a lot of sharing as well. Okay. For us, that's an important part of the smart cities agenda, which is giving back. Uh, I love the cities that are doing stuff, but I, I don't love them as much as those that are doing really good stuff and then sharing and having authentic conversations with you about what didn't yeah. work. So top of mind, Christchurch, Wellington, Hamilton, you know, yeah. um, we've, we've got, um, Marlborough district, um, council in our digital twin challenge at the moment, you know, they're, and it's equally not only those that have done things, but those that are kind of like primed and ready to go and they want to do it right. Cause half the battle is getting the agency, the approval, the budget, yeah. you know, the, the sign off and getting the political coverage to try this. So, um, and, and, you know, when we talk to, to Stacey and Brenda at, at Marlborough, you know, they're just really genuine about it. You know, we, we don't know where it's going to go, but we're sitting on mountains of data and we know that we can do it better. You know, I just love, those stakeholders that are popping up because you know that they're going to learn from the last five years of everyone else doing it and they'll they'll probably sort of leapfrog so um you know so equally some of those big cities and towns that are you know very very well known to all of us in um in new zealand and in australia you know we, we had those early leaders a lot of them clustered here in southeast queensland so um ipswich city council sunshine coast regional council so southeast queensland you know is a cluster a region uh, yeah it's, it's got some unique governance there's 11 12 councils that sort of huddled together so we've had a bit of a hot spot up here but equally some of those very early leaders like adelaide melbourne's been a continual innovator but it's it's spread far and wide wide now i mean we try and keep count and we kind of lost count at around about 180 councils in australia right. out, of, out of 535 ish so um that's been a five-year journey hmm. so this is certainly not a sprint um change is hard so we're, we're, we're seeing that the life cycle of this is it takes about five years to kind of get to a point as a council to go oh okay we get it uh we know what it can do um let's now set ourselves up to just yeah. do it by default so that takes about five years we're finding um but hopefully we're going to shrink that down as more and more talk to each other network with each other and share as well that that's the other yeah. thing that drives me nuts um re restarting again and again and again yeah. you know a local authority yeah. goes off to do a smart city strategy and they hire a consultant they start with a blank sheet of paper and i go no 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 yeah. 175 other local authorities and councils have done exactly what you're going to you're going to you're about to do for God's sake, go and steal it with permission and copy and paste it. You know, it, it, it's a simple kind of process. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. It's a simple kind of yeah. process. Work out what you want to achieve and then determine how tech and data can help you. That's kind of it, right? Yeah. But yeah. what happens is where it's fallen over is people starting with the tech and data and not yeah. being clear on their targets or what they want to achieve.
Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about doing something in New Zealand, haven't we? You know, a shared event or something that, that, that lifts some stuff, but uh, COVID gets keeps getting poking its head it up and getting in the way, giving, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Hey, look, I had a question sent from to me from a member when they heard we were talking to you, which is about they're looking at their design templates to ensure they're adding sustainability into their design process. I mean, what sort of questions? Should we be asking, this is the question from the person, what sort of questions should we be asking ourselves and our suppliers? Can you give a bite-sized answer to that? Or was that too long? From a sustainability perspective, there's some really good standards that are helping us. A uh, ISO 37122, ISO 37122 are smart cities indicators for sustainability. Right, so what people will find is a lot of this work is already being done, right? Yeah. You, you want indicators to embed in procurement contracts, performance specs around sustainability and smart, it's been done, it's been done, okay? And, and you know, we can connect you with those, but it's been done globally through consensus-based processes and it's called 37122. Or depending on what type of infrastructure, for example, if it's horizontal or vertical, you've got Green Star, for buildings in New Zealand, you've also got the infrastructure sustainability rating system for horizontal infrastructure. So when it comes to metrics and standards and weaving that into design, oh my God, it's been done. It's been done to death. And we do it really well in Australia and New Zealand. We do a lot of sharing. I was at the Green Building Council of Australia when we were helping set up the New Zealand Green Building Council. So th that that is done. Let's get good information to whoever's asking that question. Um, so don't start anything new. Uh, reach out for and grab um, off the shelf what is relevant and exists and it does exist. Yeah. Well, I think this is a fascinating topic and, and you're passionate about it and I could talk to you for ages, but just let's finish up with, you know, if people are keen to, to get an introduction into this or to learn a little bit more, where do they start? Oh, well, um, you know, we... We like to think that our website is a, is the go-to place for smart cities, right? Smartcitiescouncil.com. So for, we've spent probably half of our 10 years, half of our budget, half of our people allocated to creating resources. And it's all open source and it's all free, right? So you can head to our website. Um, the next best thing, which is harder to find, but it is out there slowly when you trawl through it is uh, lessons learned and case studies of what what other cities have done and we can't keep up with that on our website because it changes every day so the first thing i would say is whether you're public sector or private sector um, sit down with a piece of paper and map out your 10 friends that you're going to build in your network when it comes to smart cities try and keep it diverse a couple of councils couple, you know some academia um, new zealand is full of smart cities talent so is australia um, put 10 names on a paper, um, build up your network. Um, you know, that's the best way to learn these days, right? We, you know, we got an awesome website. We got tons of stuff going up there, but this is a daily thing that changes. And yeah. the other thing I would say, Craig, is we're still rubbish at sharing how we failed. And you only get that. And sometimes that's the gold, right? you only get that by having the one-on-one -on -one conversations with an yeah. individual. You're not going to see anyone present that at a conference yeah. or write it in an article. So you need that network of friends, 10 names. If you, don't, if you can't come up with 10 names, contact Craig, contact me, we'll get your 10 names, build your network, talk, listen. And we're in a virtual world. There are zero boundaries now, 
you know yeah. so so you know bring in some 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 people outside the region as well so head to the website smartcitiescouncil.com but at the same time 10 names on a piece of paper that's your new smart cities network you've got to build that you've got to build it now awesome hey look thank you so much for your time adam it's been a pleasure as always to have a chat but also to expand on you know what this topic is and um again um thanks so much thank you my friend it was great